Welcome into Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as we just got done uh, watching a really impressive game and a really impressive performance uh, between Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets and uh, not Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, as uh, Giannis kind of fumbles the ball through his hands in the closing seconds in, a, in an opportunity to tie the game at, at full at like right at the end. Uh, gets the ball, receives the ball in his hands, and just completely drops it. It was just awful to watch. Um, but to help me not really break that all down, but just to reminisce over like what was that was an incredible Kevin Durant performance. It is uh, Jenna Garcia at Vita Viva Diva on Twitter. Uh, I got that right because I did my research. And because I, I had to make sure that I got it right. Uh, Jenna, uh, Kevin Durant's, is is he your favorite player right now in the NBA or close to it? Right now, Ryan, he's my favorite player since ever, since Mello. That, there was there was Mello and there was Kevin Durant. Those are my two favorite players of all time. Mello was the first player that I really, um, like, was enthralled with in the NBA. I started liking him. My... Uh, great aunt is married to a Syracuse man. So, you know, he got me into mellow that year. He wins in Syracuse and, um, at Syracuse. And it was just, I I was like, then he came to Denver and I was like, yes, I'm that's, that's my guy. I am a mellow fan because that coincides with life for Jenna at like middle school time. Right. So like, and I'm just getting into like competitive basketball I start watch. Oh, I love that those Carmelo Anthony teams. Like, which is why uh, he's on my page so often and so relevantly. And, and um, I always stand for Melo. But when he left Denver, it was devastating for all of us for sure. But it wasn't that bad for me because right down the street in OKC was Kevin Durant, and I went to visit a friend who sadly lives in Lawton, Oklahoma the saddest place on earth that I've ever been. <laughs> it's genuinely a tragic city to live in. There's basically like military base, big military base. There's nothing there. We went to OKC and I won't say that we partied with Blake Griffin, but we might've partied with Blake Griffin that night. It was awesome. It was a great night. <laughs> that is and so, so cool. Kind of, uh, you know, they were like my side team, right? So I, um, I really loved uh, Kevin Durant when he was in OKC. I've always loved him. That was my very first uh, courtside game to see Kevin Durant here in Denver against Kenneth Fareed and that Danilo Gallinari year or whatever. And um, that was my very first courtside game. It, so Kevin Durant is runs deep. I love him. That was an amazing performance. That last one that was like, I don't know how far back, Whew, that last shot he took in the game. I actually don't even know if it was technically his last shot, but it was like the last deep one that he had. Ugh. He, it's so he, crazy. He's he's just an unbelievable shooter. And and as somebody who uh, we we didn't know whether he would be coming back. We didn't know whether whether this was going to be the end of Kevin Durant. It's like coming off of an Achilles tear, that's nuts. So I'm I'm excited to see him back and. And he just looks like, uh, like he he if if there was one player that I was okay with people saying, oh, he's definitely better than Nikola Jokic. Like I think Kevin Durant, like I, that's that's a a reasonable 
player to offer to that discussion uh, because he's just proven it time and time again. This performance was incredible. Uh, took this team, this Brooklyn team on his back with James Harden just like being as injured as he is, Kyrie Irving being out. And gosh, like, oh, it's the final, like, like 49, 16, and 10, something like that. That's, uh, and like on 23 shots, he's just unbelievable. Yeah. He's, it's amazing. And it's, I feel like people finally kind of root for him because nobody thought he could come back from that Achilles tear. There has never been Kevin Durant hate slander come out of my mouth and you'd never hear it from me but people typically hate on Kevin Durant I don't know if you know that Ronan and I feel like for the first <laughs> time cheering, you know kind of like excited for him he's got a little bit of public favor lately. so I yeah like and, and the the Golden State thing was always weird it was always a very weird time of his career because he was a legend in in Oklahoma City and did so many incredible things there and like did did he finally get the rings that he got that he wanted in Golden State? Yes, and and he will forever be known as a, at least a two time NBA champion. Uh, he may he might win a third here, uh, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he continues to do. Uh, the the Giannis dropped ball uh, right in crunch time. Like Nikola Jokic isn't dropping that ball. Like there's there's no way. And uh, Nikola Jokic, like he he's not guarding Kevin Durant. Don't get me wrong, but neither was Giannis in that game. Giannis was stuck on whoever was on the side, not doing anything. And they had PJ Tucker guarding Kevin Durant and Chris Middleton guarding Kevin Durant. Like, don't you think that Giannis should like if if he wants to be known as the best player in the world, should be stepping up here? I mean, yeah, he should, and. He's not the best player in the world. Excuse me, Ryan. <laughs> Fair. Player in the world. Giannis might have been, and he could very well be in the future, right? Technically, I guess if you're the MVP of the NBA, you're probably the best player in the world that year. But, right, Giannis could very well become the best player in the world. The thing is, the what you're describing, but the difference between Giannis and Kevin Durant is Michael Porter Jr. hands now and Michael Porter Jr.'s future potential for his hands later, right, in the, for, in the future, because that was like a Michael Porter Jr. drop is what that was. And obviously MPJ can shoot like KD. He probably could become the next KD, but I just have nuggets on my mind. I don't know. Oh, no, hey, I think that's really funny because if you remember, like you, I think you were there. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. comparing himself in his rookie call uh, to a mix of Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I think you saw it right there on those last two plays. Uh, he could he could do the he could do the Kevin Durant pull up from thirty thing, and he can do the drop ball like Giannis thing. Like that's something that he could definitely do a lot of. So that's uh, exactly what he was referring to when he compared himself to them. But probably not the you know he was probably thinking about Giannis in a different, <laughs> but. Yeah, the hands. That was bad. Yeah, I, I I will say there was one dunk that Porter had in this last game, like towards the end of towards the end of the game, where he was just driving through traffic and then kind of cupped it with one hand and then just dunked through traffic. That was pretty impressive. That reminded me a lot of Giannis. Uh, but like, yeah, he, I mean, he's still got a long way to go. But the good news is we get to talk about him. We're probably talking about him in the third segment, uh, just like. Where, where he's going to go from here, where the Nuggets are going to go from here. But for now, 
let's let's take a journey back through the end of the uh well the end of the 2020 2021 season uh and where it started uh because at the beginning of the season if i had told you that this is the year that the nuggets would have that jokic would be the mvp but uh they would only make it to the second round and get swept um look look and think back to where you were back in december back in january back where the nuggets were is that where you th- is this anywhere close to where you thought they would be or or wh- how did you foresee this season turning out and how did it differ from where you thought it was yeah well i would have told you that jokic was going to be the mvp first of all cuz i took him plus 1800 so to win it and he did the sad part about that story, Ryan, and I really shouldn't be telling people this, is that I only bet $4. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I made 80 bucks, though. It, there's, it's $80, like, on $4. That profit is insane, right? But it is, that is a- that, like, had I just bet, like, 40 or or 10 <laughs> That is so funny. That's the funny thing about sports betting is you never know like like when to fully go in, whether to fully commit something and how much to actually commit. Uh, that's that's incredible, Jenna. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> but back in December, I did actually believe he would be MVP. I don't know what it was. I don't I think at the in, end of the bubble, he was just like him and Jamal were playing just such consistently good basketball. And I knew Nicola was probably two steps ahead of where Jamal was at that point, And Jamal was pretty incredible. And so I felt like it could very well be his, his year to win just because of his ability to play every game. The fact that he hasn't missed a game in so long, the potential for injuries, which clearly uh, occurred so many across the league, right? I figured, you know, with how many injuries there could be and probably will be with the short turnaround, he might just kind of like fall into it. <laughs> he didn't, I'll say that. I was wrong about that because he definitely had to work his ass off to do it. Uh, and he did night in and night out. And that was amazing. I thought, I guess my prediction for the end of the season, I was, I thought they were going to win win the West. Um, but I didn't, I did not think they'd lose Jamal. Jamal is the guy who every time he gets an injury, he's, uh, he's always like, yeah, I'm fine though. You see him roll his ankle time and time again. And somehow he's still in that fourth quarter. So the right. fact that he went down like that, like I wasn't expecting that even like there was even a point where I was like, but he's going to be, He's, he's probably going to play through it, you know, like until they were like, no, it's definitely the ACL. Then I was like, okay, I don't think he's going to play through this one. And that's the first time I've ever seen any of us have ever seen Jamal not play through an injury, which is just crazy to think about his just like fortitude, his desire to be on the court and everything. But that sucked. Ugh. What a it really did. And and like it, it hit you hard, it hit me hard. Um, it was just a a extremely painful injury for a number of reasons. Uh, captain of which for me was just that I I just really enjoy Jamal. Like I think he's I think he's a really great person. 
I think that he's somebody who has his head on his shoulders and just is going about things the right way right now. And uh, the way that he and I, like, because he and I are basically the same age and, and we kind of like that my start at Denver Stiffs basically coincides with him being drafted. And so like I, I've at that point, he got more responsibility. I got more responsibility. He started being the star point guard. I got the site manager position. Like there's just it's it was I don't, I don't really talk about that that much. But like like he and I were, were kind of at similar stages, except he's just like a hundred million dollar athlete. And I'm like, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but no, he's a. Uh, it hit me pretty hard, and and he's uh, not being able to watch him. It's the first time in a long time that Nuggets fans haven't been able to watch Jamal Murray go. And, and like you said, he's always back out there. He always plays. He always fights through it. And to to watch him not be able to get back up from that was just a, a real pain, especially after you realize, yeah, man, like after the Aaron Gordon trade, this team was really going to do something special. Like they they were going there. Yeah, what I was going to say is your you and Jamal's stories are intertwined like many a great writer and athlete. I'll remind you MJ and that guy who I don't know his name cuz who knows that guy's name. You know the guy. <laughs> the one guy are, are you talking about something for the last dance? I don't know. Uh who's always with MJ. This is sad. You should I mean I can just I mean that means he did a good job, right? Because we didn't think Rick Rick Bennell, who just who just passed away. I don't remember, but I don't remember his name. But there's lots of great writers whose stories are intertwined with great athletes. So that's kind of cool that you are one of them, and that it's Jamal Murray because he's a great athlete to be intertwined with, right? Like what we right. saw from Jamal in the bubble was not just heart for the game of basketball, but it was heart for humanity, heart for people. Um, he was definitely fighting for something greater. And, and this Nuggets team has such a resiliency that everyone can see now they're finally getting recognized, but being recognized for being resilient somehow feels like a diss to me somehow. (laughs) I don't know if you feel that way. Like it's like, Oh, well they work really hard and they're really hard workers. And it's not about all the talent that they have. And Jamal finally brought like that talent buzz after the bubble and what he did there. Not that Nicola doesn't have it, but Nicola is very like fundamental. Methodical. Yeah. Like it's not flashy at all. And sometimes it is, sometimes it is, but I don't know that every basketball fan enjoys his game the same way that I feel like almost every basketball fan can enjoy Jamal Murray's electricity that he brings to, you know, driving off the, off the dribble, jumping into a giant dunk, deep threes in some guy's face. Uh, and he, and he, Jamal's a really like a battler. Like he knows when a guy's going up, he, he can feel them heating up and he likes to battle back and forth. It would have been so fun to watch him play against Devin Booker in this series. Cause you, that, that would have been a fun battle to watch. Yeah. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, both of those guys were just, uh, they were killer against the Nuggets this past series, and the, the Denver just didn't really have anybody to match them on the perimeter. And like you, you're hoping for Monte Morris to step up, but that's probably just asking too much of him. And and Austin Rivers, Faku Campazo, like it's just it just wasn't really meant to be. I think it kind of saw it with Will Barton a little bit in that last game. Like he he definitely battled and really brought something, but uh, it's just not having him for the entire time. You could really feel. Uh, 
not having Jamal Murray and how much that really hurt for this team. Just just like it, he tied the entire room together. Yeah, for sure. He's a he's really he really is an integral piece. You know, he's almost mm-hmm. like Jokic's antithesis in character or per, not character necessarily, but like personality. Um, yeah, definitely like personality on the court. Jamal fires Jokic up. If you remember back in that Portland series, he, in the first couple games, he was talking. He was in Jokic's ear, telling him to take it to Nurk. Um, he really fires Jokic up, even when they're on the court together, too. Even more, right? So. I I remember that post up that that Jokic had in Game One, uh, where where Murray was out on on the court, like just just trying to get him going, and it was it was just I think it was against Cantor. But Jokic had just gone into the post against Nurk, against Cancer, against everybody who was across from him, and it was a it was a true Rucker Park moment where you're you're in the you're on the court you're on the you're on the blacktop, and you've got people that are just hyping you up, and they know that you're going to take it to the person across from you, and it really just becomes a battle of wills. And and Murray just he lives for those moments, and uh, like it's the one on one battles, like you said. It's the game within the game. He he was really great with that. And so definitely missed that in this postseason. Definitely just missed his talent, of course. But like it's more than that with these guys, as you well know. Like it's it's always going to be more. It's always going to just like this is why when you're media and, and you're talking about some of these things, how people don't necessarily like people can feel that as fans, especially if you're kind of in the building at times where where big moments happen, but Media is just there every single time. So, like, I can I can remember back to moments where, like, the Chicago game, where where he hit that corner three, and just falling out of after kind of falling out of bounds and and doing all the things that he did in that game, mm-hmm. and moments like that where it it just kind of goes under the radar. I think across an entire regular season, but you can pick those moments out and think, yeah, I know that he's about that because of what he showed here, here, and here. And Murray's just about that all the time. Yeah, it would have been awesome to have him. It was probably the second worst blow the Nuggets took. The first worst being that fan who got his ass kicked in the stands. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk. I want to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about life getting back to normal. And it's going to start with the arenas being full again. We'll be right back. We're back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, joined today by Jenna Garcia, social media director for Denver Stiffs. Obviously, doing great work all across our platforms and doing great work herself. So make sure to go follow her at Vita Viva Diva. Um, Jenna, you mentioned it before we hit, hit a break. Uh, the fan who just got abused by the Suns fan in game three and was just ragdolled around, it was possibly the most. Uh, embarrassing moments I've ever had to be a Nuggets fan in my entire life. Yeah, we disown you, bro. Don't come back. (laughs) What the heck is... Like, he was smiling, like, excited to get into this fight and then just bows down. Uh, A little too close, you know, analogy there for what I saw in the Nuggets as well. 
I- imagine Nuggets Lloyd Christmas just like bowing down completely uh, to to a Suns fan who just came into the, the first game that they had in the building. This was the first time full capacity crowds were allowed back. And that is what you allow at a game like that. You're going to get punked by somebody who just just came in from Arizona. Are you kidding me? Oh, it was just so painful. Just 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 awful. I didn't actually see it, but I heard it was close to us, like just where the media normally sits. It was. Uh, oh, really? There was a fight also in my section that game. If you remember, I was sat with the photographers. Photographers. Thank you. Yeah. PR. <laughs> sat me down. I actually had, a, I think, a better seat than I normally have. So, actual thank you, Nuggets PR. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a fight in my section too, and it there. I wasn't in total agreement with what went down, you know. But I'm not in total agreement with what went down in lots of parts of the playoff series, including the fact that we're still using the same slogan for. The playoffs since 2019, Ryan, elevate. We're going to elevate every single year, okay? I don't know how much more you can elevate other than a mile high, but it's just kind of pathetic. The shirts were were lame, dude. It's too bad. Like, felt like they're recycling old stuff because they hadn't had fans in buildings for a while, so they were able to kind of get away with it. Uh, but yeah, like, this is a... Uh, is one of those big worries that I had when, when I was talking about this in the article that I posted this afternoon. And I'll get into that more in the third segment, just like the the ownership side of this, the payment for all these players side of this. But uh, it's been weird getting people back into the building. It's like it's it's like we were living our normal lives with no fans in the stands as media members for a while. And then now, like, like people are coming back in. It was actually really weird for me to have a full capacity crowd there. What, what about you? Um, yeah, the first uh, game where that guy got his ass kicked, that game. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how it's going to be known now. That's 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 going to be fun. It's just incredible. Yeah. Remember that that game three where that guy got his ass kicked and the Nuggets got their ass kicked? Yeah. Good. Good Lord. 21, yeah. Um, that was weird because one, when when we were just going as like media only, no fans or very minimal fans, I was not trying to look my best, right? When we go to a real a game and cover, we're in suits, ties. Some guys come in a jacket, um, in collared shirts, probably. I, I mean, definitely the girls dress better than the boys, Ryan. Right. Oh yeah, that's that's fine. I, I I can I can fully vouch for that. That's definitely true. Right. So that was the first game that I actually like was like, oh, I should probably look like I'm going to work today. So I did try to look nice. You look nice. You were dressed up a little bit more too than usual too. Oh yeah. During the pandemic, yeah. So that was weird for me. And then because I sat down low. Typically, I don't feel like I have people staring at my back, but I did feel that way because I was lower. And then there were fights in my section and stuff, and so it was kind of weird. It, it was a strange experience. And then trying to, like, dodge people to get there and, like, change my whole routine. I know I'm very, very self-absorbed right now about this. No, no, I, I asked you the question. Like, it's it's all good. Uh, no, it's it's just – it's a very weird time, I, I think. And we're, we're kind of at that mix between – uh, hey, things are almost back to normal, 
they're they're getting very close, but but they're not quite. And so I, I'm looking forward to uh, like journalists, media getting back to normal too. Uh, we've been covering this thing for Zoom for the past year, like literally a year. We've been on Zoom doing this, and so I, I remember not being able to ask questions because I didn't know how to operate Zoom uh, at the beginning of the bubble experience. And so that's one of the reasons why I didn't. I didn't ask that many questions before, but but now I, I'm I'm a I'm a Zoom pro at this point. Uh, it's it's just. It's just been a lot of weird pitfalls in in just being able to cover this sport. Like, I, I got to imagine that you're you're getting you're looking forward to being courtside next year, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Court being courtside, being able to actually have some conversations with people that matter, or even colleagues, right? Uh, your peers, people that you work with that you want to bounce ideas off of and stuff. Like not being able to to kind of meet in person and have some of those conversations, or or even the fact that, like, I mean, in 2019, before the season gets shut down, I take a video of Tori Craig telling the fans, like, hey, this I'm going to wear these headbands these days. Like, wear your headbands and match. I know it's stupid, but fans loved that. And I can't get that kind of content when I'm on Zoom. You know, they're not following these players around, giving us funny content. So, And, I mean, basically, the players just provide content to fans directly now i don't know if you noticed that ryan but oh oh i did <laughs> it's uh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to normal just because like we've all been separated for a long time and, and like you said the the getting together talking to other media members talking to players coaches etc like one of my favorite memories of just being back in in arenas is just like being able to sit around those tables, have a meal with other media members, and be able to shoot the shit, like just talk with people and like be able to talk about the games, but also talk about life, like make fun of uh, Matt and Adam for for their buddy cop comedy that they've got going on right now, uh, and and things of that nature. Yeah, or even just you know talk about what we predict for predictions for the game and see who gets it right or. Inside jokes, you know, me and Brendan used to sing uh, that Migos song that every team seemed to warm up to. You know, are you ready? <laughs> Is you ready? <laughs> like, like, we sing the whole song, like, with the announcer in the arena and really annoy Harrison and Christian Clark, and it would just be, like, funny. But we don't get to, like, no fun. COVID is no fun, Ryan. COVID is no fun. Uh uh, just just get out of here, COVID. Everybody take your vax. Uh, do you have a story uh, from just kind of this past 10 months, year or so over Zoom uh, like that, that you want to share that they, they like if it sticks out in your mind, like, hey, man, this is this is something that the fans would definitely want to hear about because this is something that actually did happen. Yeah, I mean. Fans definitely have gotten to ride along with me and Riley this season in our podcast and I think that that's been fun to be able to experience a podcast about a totally male dominated sport like I mean it's a male sport right run by two women has been kind of unique and interesting and sometimes we have podcasts and I'm like we were way off topic and I hated it and then sometimes we do ones and I'm like Riley we're hilarious we're the funniest people alive and I love it but well, every time I think it's fun because it's fun to meet another girl who loves sports as much as you do. I of course one that actually was nice to me before Riley, so it was fun to to do that. But one really cool 
nugget story that I got to um, follow or, or I got to talk, I got to talk a chance to talk to Tim Connolly just about his inner, the work he's put into his international scouting team and um, just how important it is, it is for him to not only have a diverse staff in his uh, as, as like his front office, but also a diverse group of guys on the court. And um, just when you think about the Nuggets, how, how diverse they are, you have Bull Bull, um, players playing outside of U.S., right, for teams, Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic. So, and I mean, it's becoming less, less unique, I guess, because you can say like, well, Luca and Porzingis, right, two international stars on the same team, uh, even uh, Embiid and Simmons, technically, right? So, like, sure. I... Yeah, both from other countries. So, um, yeah, there's lots of these combinations now. But then if you look at even the guys he surrounds um, players with, his stars with, I have a lot of them been from foreign countries. And now you got with the addition of Facundo Campazzo just seems almost compounded because he's such an international superstar. And Campazzo really came on the scene. Like Campazzo was a, like, it was like insanity for (laughs) – or Nuggets fans. Like, I don't know what we would call it. Composanity or something like that. I, I think uh, I think the term that, I don't know if it was Singer who coined it or somebody else, but it was like Fakumania or something like that. Sure, sure. That's probably, that sounds way better than my two examples that I have <laughs> on this flyer. But it was pretty... It was pretty crazy. Like fans love Faku. Um, fans in the stands, like I don't know. I thought at first they were booing him, but when they introduce him, they say Faku, and like, like I haven't heard another guy like on a on the Nuggets team have a chant. Right? You go to the A Stadium out in Oakland, Ryan, and they have a drum roll for each player who's coming up to bat. Like these are great fans in Oakland. I've never seen that in Denver, really. You know, we are a city of transplants. And unfortunately, we saw a little bit of that in that Sun series, but we haven't really seen that over for in a while because the Nuggets have been pretty good. It's been a lot of Nuggets fans in the stands and it's been loud. And all of a sudden they change it from the can to the sack. And now we can't, we, we're back to square one, Ryan. I think it's... <laughs> We recognize that in Pepsi center, this would have never like people when we left Pepsi center, we left loyal, a loyal fan base. And then, uh, no TV deal, pandemic bubble basketball. And now we have no fans again. And it's unfortunate. Um, it's totally not anyone's fault except for some people's fault. And I think you're going to talk about it in the third second segment, because you keep saying everything's going to be in the third segment. So, <laughs> but like, it was unfortunate to see that, uh, in those playoff games and we have a really international group of guys who reach wor- worldwide. And I think it's almost Tim Connolly, that interview that I did with him was just unique in the sense that he talked about how much and how deep those international roots go, how much he has been invested internationally for years and years and years. He told me a little bit about um, when and how and the parts of, of, you know, coming encounter with Nikola Jokic and and how that process goes happens and when you're international right. 
scouting guys. And so it was really cool to get to talk to him about that. Faku had been on their radar for a really long time. They thought he could have come in the league even for the last couple of years. And they thought this was the perfect season. And it just really, I had that conversation with him early on in the season and it just even more solidified my feeling like they were going to win a championship this year. They were really going to make moves at the trade deadline. And it just, uh, just sucked. It sucks that, that, I mean, the, the season went the way that it did. And, and like, it, it's hard to like, you obviously would change the one major thing that happened. And, and like, that's the, that's the thing that you look at. Uh, I look at a couple of things just back, like even before the bubble, do you remember the zoom that, that Jamal was on where he was taking questions from the media about, and like answers from the media about racism? Yeah. That, that one really stands out to me as just the, the time that we were in and kind of the, it's, it's a capsule moment where, you think back to just what was going on in the world at that time. What's going on with Jamal at that time? What's going on with the the NBA at that time? It's it's a I think that's a real capsule moment of and things were really weird. Things were really dark, and and Murray was just able to kind of rise above that, uh, share open and honest thoughts, and and just be a a really good pro about that. And and probably the the like it's not the first moment of his life where he was a real pro, but it's the one that stands out to me where, where he went from a, a kid in the league to a man in the league, like as, and like more than the, what was going on on the courts, like as somebody who just understood the weight and the responsibility of what he meant to that team and what he meant to the NBA. Um, the first two games that were this season uh, with, without fans, it was, versus Sacramento where they had that overtime buzzer beater loss. Uh, that was an awful game and it was so quiet except for the music. The music was so loud that it was just a terrible, terrible experience. <laughs> I went to that one. I went to the Christmas day Clippers game. And let me tell you, that was an awful vibe as well uh, because they were trying to do Christmas themed stuff for an empty arena where it was just literally media and like a couple executives that were in the stands. And and it was just a very, very weird time. Uh, Thinking back to the awful vibe that we had after those first two, like in those first two games, I can't believe that the Nuggets even recovered from that. It was just a completely different team where I think Bull Bull started or not started, but he played at the rotation in both of those games, uh, which is which is nuts to think about. Like he was in the rotation uh, before Jermichael Green was back and healthy. And so that that might have been the last time like that he was actually other than the the weird Golden State games that he had. That was uh, that was a just a very unique time in the season. Uh just from a perspective of like a lot of weird shit happened this year, a lot of weird, weird, weird shit. And, and Nuggets fans and NBA fans are going to remember this year for a long time. And I, for one, am very thankful that it's over because it was just a, a difficult season to cover. It was a difficult season to navigate. Uh, And just a lot of stuff happened in a very short amount of time that you just forget a whole bunch so I wanted to, I, I sat and thought about what happened this year and had to revisit a lot of things and was just kind of struck about how much has happened and how I'm okay with the season being done. Yeah, I do think like, 
I noticed when they lost the other night and I got home, I finally turned off my computer and the Zoom that took like the very long Zoom calls after the game. Because we did exit interviews at the same time, right? So it's a little- which, which I didn't even realize because I didn't have my phone on me. Like, I didn't realize that that was going on. So I got off after Michael Malone's uh, discussion. And then, like, Nikola Jokic was right after him. So I literally got off at that point and then realized, oh, wow. They're doing Zoom calls for the entire team, like, right now. And and I was already, like, like mid-presser or mid-podcast. Uh, mid, uh, it was bad. It was really bad. I missed half of it. Yeah. Yeah. I finally turned it off the computer and, and like I laid down to sleep and I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so exhausted. Like probably as exhausted. I mean, not as exhausted as Nicole Jokic, right? Because he actually like put in physical labor and we put in like hours and hours of like work. Yes. But less. Don't worry. He had a short game that day. He did. He did. That's the most he's missed in a game since 2017. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, <laughs> because he plays every game, Ryan. Um, but yeah, it. I felt like I, even when you're like recapping games right now, I was, it was like, wait, that was this year. Cause there's a lot of like bubble stuff that happened that I'm like, wait, that wasn't this year. And then there's also stuff that happened this year that I'm like, wait, that was this year? Like time is really messed up in my head from this pandemic. I'm really going to need to go to work day after day before I feel like I can even remember what day it is because working from home has been weird and and time did fly in a weird way in this season. Um, I kind of remember the season, like everything before the all-star break, which was like Nicola me betting Nicola every single game for a double double and me betting that they would lose the third quarter and cashing out every night. So that was like pre all-star game. Right. Then there was a few games after like 10 or nine, I don't know, eight games before the Aaron Gordon trade. And that was like, this is similar to BC, right? Before Christ, but instead I, before Gordon. Okay. Yeah. BG is what I call it. So there's a <laughs> chunk of BG. And then there's everything after Aaron Gordon until the Murray injury. So then there's like that tiny little space, which is the golden years. This is like heaven, right? The best time. Perfect. I mean, this was like we were one, two, three championship. That's what this was. It, it really like like you describing it as heaven. That is the time that I thought the Nuggets were going to win a ring. That I thought, okay, this is the year. This is the time. It is this two-week stretch that we are like, we're going to do it. And then it came crashing down, like you said. Yeah, there was a couple home games in there that I got to go to. I think one was a Spurs game. Um, Maybe that Magic game, I think, was a home game. I don't yeah. know. This home, the part I kept, kept, I didn't like whether they were home or away, but um, – I got to go to a couple of the home games that were in within the perfect time period, right? We're post Aaron Gordon trade and pre Jamal Murray injury. And it was so much fun to watch. They just ran dudes. It was so much fun to watch. They passed the ball so well. They were all moving so well. MPJ even like some of the things that he does that annoy 
the crap out of me, like standing in the corner and not moving for way too long. He was motivated to move because the offense was like flowing so well. And, and he was able to get so many buckets. Like he was getting a bunch of putbacks on rebounds and stuff. And it was just, it was fun basketball to watch. It was exciting. It was one, two, three championship. And then the Jamal Murray injury. And after that has just been like, Nicola carrying the way I remember everything after that has been Nicola carrying him to the end and on his back with like Fakumania happening on his like yeah. shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh that's a good way to characterize it to be frank and like when you get to the playoffs and and they beat Portland it, it almost had the feeling to me of like okay how much longer can he really realistically do this because he averaged like 33 11 and 5 and, and he was on the floor doing everything they're running everything defensively at him like he's t- he's shooting the ball every time down the floor unless somebody else is shooting off of his passes and and it was just a very difficult thing to watch because of how limited everybody was and ha- and how broken and beaten down everybody was after a long season so uh, Phoenix caught them at the right time, and and I think that had Denver been refreshed, and or maybe even had they played Phoenix first, then then they might have been off a little bit better off. But uh, Phoenix was just playing really well, and it just it just wasn't meant to be this year, and it's too bad because for one brief moment we really did think that, uh, but they're going to have other opportunities, and and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the future. Any anything you want to talk about like with this season before we hit another break? They gotta fix their third quarter issue. I mean, unless mm. they keep giving me money because I keep betting their team. But even I mean, that Phoenix series, Ryan, they really struggled. They barely they won three quarters of the entire sixteen quarters they played. They only outplayed Phoenix three times. Two times they tied them, um, but never. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. And before that series, they had only ever won- lost like. With, there was like three, I think, games in in the season where they had lost three quarters of the four quarters, and then like one or two where they had actually lost all four quarters. Aside from those, it was like two quarters. That's what they were like losing consistently. And um, I just think, you know, when you think about it that way and you break it down, and it kind of into into quarters, <laughs> not kind of, totally, exactly into quarters. <laughs> It's it's just simple math, Ryan. They can't outscore a team if they don't win the each quarter. I I firmly and wholeheartedly agree with you on that point. Uh, no, the the third quarter is going to be weird. It's it's a it's it was a weird problem all year, and and great teams have had things like that happen to them before, where it's just a very unique and odd like oddity uh, that that just continues to occur, but. Uh, they are, they are going to have to fix that. So tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the future of this team, uh, what it's going to look like, and and whether they can still win a title. We'll be right back. Big Action Roll final segment here, joined today by Jenna Garcia. Uh, 
make sure to check everything out that we're doing over at Denver Stiffs. Uh, make sure to follow all the Denver social accounts uh, because we're doing obviously some great stuff over there. Um, did you like the video that I put together uh, for, for the second round? Yeah, that was the best thing that came out of this uh, this Nugget Sun series, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. I loved it. I You guys come up with some funny, unique hype videos. Yeah, we have a good the. I thought the the drone footage was really good in that one, and the and the hype music was really good in that one. That was uh, that that was one of the better ones. Shout out to Skip for for collecting the clips there. He made it all super easy, um, and got to do a voiceover. And I got to, it was a shame about the voice, but like uh, the the rest of the video was fire, so it's all good. Um, this team, they're going to be without Jamal Murray at the beginning. Uh, I don't think it, there's any secret about how long ACL tears take to recover. Uh, it's going to be at least nine months. Anybody that comes back before nine months is doing some crazy shit. Uh, Murray injured his ACL in April, April 12th. I think he had surgery about a week later, if I'm not mistaken. So April 19th. Nine months after that puts you at January 19th. The season's going to start in October, like literally like October 18th, 19th, 20th. So they're going to be without him for at least three months. And as as driven and as competitive and as fiery as Murray is, uh, they're, like, th- there's a strong possibility that if it's not nine months, then it's ten months. And then he's out for four months of the regular season. And you're thinking, okay, hey, well, he might not be back until after the All-Star break. So uh, it's most likely going to be March in all likelihood. Uh I think that this team is going to have some real growth over the course. They're going to have to have some real growth over the course of that time, but uh, they're going to have to figure out some solutions without Murray out there for long periods of next year. Uh, did you see enough of them over the course of these last couple of months to say, hey, they they can be okay? What do you think there? Uh, No. I, I mean, I think I saw enough of them to – to think they they can't be if they are as is, I don't think. And then okay, so I think that my hesitation on saying that is it's also the regular season, right? And right. a lot of approach the regular season with the mindset that it does not matter <laughs> because they have superstars. Nikola Jokic is a superstar. Jamal Murray is a superstar who would be back for the playoffs. So do they just? have a team that, you know, holds them above water until Jamar Murray gets back. If that's what they're looking for, then they probably give Will Barton, keep Will Barton and run it back. I don't know. Like I know Malone cares about the regular season. I know he's the kind of coach that does. And I don't think that as is this team is really competing next season and not because like, they don't have great guys or they don't have great players or great pieces, but they're missing a couple pieces. They could switch out a couple pieces. They have a couple duplicates, right? They have a couple guys that play a lot like each other and are the same size. And she, uh, and Jenna just made a very small uh, size between her finger and her thumb. Uh, so I, I wonder if she's talking about the point guards here. <laughs> I mean, okay. Chris Paul is also, and he's doing phenomenal <laughs> things, but none of the guards we have are Chris Paul. 
And, <laughs> and we know a couple of them are really great. Monte Morris is obviously going to be a staple. He's no, not going anywhere, but you do have to like, I do think like they could probably upgrade there probably get rid of a couple guys. Malone doesn't even go deep into his bench. He doesn't play deep into his bench anyway. So do we need Vladko? Is he just here because he's keeping Jokic company? Or is he going to actually get out there and play some defense and be a productive part of this system? Because he's been here like a couple years, you know? Yeah, there's Zeke's closer to getting minutes than he is. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. First off, uh, the Monte point is a good one. I think if, if I if I were ranking point guards in the NBA, then he's probably like the 25th to 28th best point guard or something like that. Uh, so he's like borderline starting caliber. Like he would start on a few teams. Uh, definitely good enough to start on a few teams. But if you're looking to win a championship, then he's not a starting point guard for you. Uh, but he's a guy that could help them get through the bulk of the year uh, in the regular season, like you said. Uh, Will Barton? If he's the starting shooting guard, he's probably like a top 20, like like maybe the 20th best shooting guard out there, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, so like if, if you're thinking about that as your starting backcourt, then yeah, I think it can get you through the year given the strength of the front court and given how, how well they generally do, uh, how good Jokic is and how good we think Michael Porter can be. Uh, but like you said, they, it, it might not be great until Murray ultimately comes back and we're just going to have to figure that out and whether like because I think what we've seen over the course of this last year or so is that Jokic is pretty tired and you don't want to rely on him that heavily going into a playoff series and that's what I was going to say too just yeah could it get us there could they potentially help Jokic maybe I don't think it's going to be pretty and I think Jokic is going to only be more tired You know, this isn't that long of a break. And if he plays for Serbia in the Olympics, it's even less of a break. And while that was good for him last year, like going into this season, it was kind of like the first time we saw him keep the level of play that he had at the end of one season and carry it over to the start of another season. Because prior to this last season, he was kind of a slow starter. (laughs) You know, he kind of needed a couple months to kick it into gear, but he was always pretty consistent. He was always smart with the basketball, but I think that this summer he needs the rest. He needs the break. It's been too long. It's been too many games. And by the way, they're, they're thinking about whether he's going to be playing for team Serbia in the Olympics this year. And there's a, there's a distinct possibility that he's going to be the best guy on that team. And they're going to try to rely on him a lot. So I'm uh, I'm very curious to see how that goes. Uh, he may or may not be there. Uh, what about MPJ? Because I think that that's probably what this offseason, if, if you're thinking about anything from a development perspective, from a massive change perspective, it's got to start with the Michael Porter uh, discussion because he's up for a major extension, uh, one of the biggest extensions in the league. Uh, is the extension between a th- from a, a player who just finished up his third year of his contract, and you could either decide to make him a max rookie, uh, given that max rookie extension, or you kind of wait it out most of the time. And I think the Nuggets have a a relatively simple choice with him, or or like it's it's not simple, but it's a it's a straightforward choice. 
Uh, is he worth the max and will they pay it? Um, so I think, I think you have different thoughts on it than I do. I want to hear from you. So you're, I'm guessing here, but you're, you think it's a pretty simple choice to give it to him? Uh, I think that if, if you believe that the Murray Jokic Porter core is good enough to win a title, then I think you pay Porter the max. Yeah. And I do. So. Yeah. I think, I mean, Brian, remember those special days before the Murray injury and after the Gordon trade were few. You know, we think it will work. We're, we're basing it on a really small sample size here. And I guess, I mean, yeah, we bigger sample size with without Gordon, right, and just the three, uh, Murray, Jokic, and Porter. But there was a lot of things in the playoffs that he needs to work on. There were a lot of mistakes. There was a lot of shortcomings. I think he fell shorter than he thought he would. I think he fell shorter than most people thought he would in, in regards to what his output would be, right? Because he had been performing at a level far above what he gave us in the playoffs. Um, I think the fatigue is going to affect him in a big way because of his back. I don't think you take him tweaking his back lightly. Like I know he said in his final interview, oh, it's no big deal. I'm going to be cool. But it's a back injury. It's not like a smaller, you know, if it, there's a couple injuries that you hold in that kind of regard, Achilles, ACL, back. Like, and especially for somebody who has two major back surgeries, like a back injury is a big deal. And, and nobody can tell you otherwise. His footwork is a big deal. He ha- he really has to work on his footwork and he had drop the drop foot thing going on as of recently as last season. And so there, there are still some things that are missing in his game before I think I like, I guess I would want to see his commitment to working towards those things because we we've known that defense is an issue. We've known that his footwork is an issue. He's been had and had plenty of time. Yeah. He's still young and everybody wants to throw that in my face, but he sat there on the bench for an entire season and watched them play. Like, like he could have, I just feel like where his basketball IQ is at sometimes is not there either, especially in some of these playoff moments that we saw, right? In garbage time, he does great. When he has gets to create and do in his own shots and everything, he's phenomenal. He's got a beautiful J, right? I, and, I, and I don't discredit him or anything. I just do think that there are a few more things before you give a guy that kind of money, including – something that he can't even control his back. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. And there are a lot of people that share that sentiment as well. So you're definitely like, I think you're probably in the minority there. However, I think it's at least possible that look like this, this is a player who he's needed a lot uh, to kind of go like, like to get back onto the right track. Uh, He's a guy who, if you're if you're looking for him to be your number one option, you're probably going to be mistaken. If you're looking for him to be your number two option, he probably still leaves a lot to be desired because he just doesn't handle the ball that well, and and he's going to be targeted. 
I think that Denver is in the position where, given where Murray is, and given that, like, there this this upcoming year might actually be a really good thing for him because Murray's going to be out for a little bit, and so he's going to be put into a lot of those same positions where he's going to be handling the basketball. He's going to have to work through some of those things. And then you hope that Murray comes back at towards the end of the year and, and maybe lightens that load for him going into the playoffs, which maybe that's the, the thing that you need because he was exposed to a world of issues, like you said, heading into this postseason. So I would still give him the max because, and here's the, here's the primary reason, Jamal Murray received a lot of the same criticisms when, when he first received his max after a playoff run that was up and down, he still showed a lot of flashes, but I think so did Porter in these playoffs. Like how many players have, have scored 22 points in a quarter? Like there's, there's very few players in NBA history that have ever done that. Um, so I, I think that it, it's, you can't just boil it down to one quarter, of course, but like he's shown enough throughout this, that like the skill set that he provides to this Nuggets team, that if he can figure some things out defensively, it's just too valuable to say no to. Like I, 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 and if it's not them, then they want to sign him so that he can be traded somewhere else. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think it's in their best interest to pass on him, you know, or or let let him go somewhere else, really, because you haven't seen all that he can give you just yet, like talent wise. Like he keeps saying, he keeps saying in his interviews that he hasn't done, or he isn't completely. He he alluded to not being a hundred percent one time, and I was like, like. Like, is he saying that he's unhealthy? And he, he wasn't. He was saying, I'm not unhealthy. I just know that there's more of me to give to this game. There's more of me to still, like, be out that you guys haven't seen yet. And I don't really often hear players talk about their game that way. You know, like, players typically talk about their game and, and no, no offense or disrespect in any way because I probably would think the same way. Like, this is – if. If I played really great, this is probably as great as I'm going to be until the next time I do it. And I'm like, whoa, I'm as shocked with myself as I was last time. I, You know, like I reached a goal or something. But Porter doesn't think that way. He's like very aware that like he has a vision of much greater things. And you did see flashes of him being able to drain shots. And that's the thing is I feel like we know he brings a really good shot, a shot that knocks down like he hits hard buckets, tough buckets in with, with a lot of pressure as well, really well, but it's just everything else. (laughs) He really did struggle with like everything else. And I think that's a, it's a good point that that's, that's the thing that we don't have questions about. Right. Right. Even rebounding and rebounding should be the thing that he focuses on the most, because especially when Jamal was healthy, he should he wasn't the first or second option of for shooting. And if all he did was rebound that basketball, Ryan, he would get so much. He'd get 12 points easily just on putbacks, like just up the garbage. And I have had this advice for him, as he would say to Matt Moore. As I remember, I don't know if you heard that part, but he posted that. He said, thanks. I heard about it after. It's uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty serious. <laughs> I thought, like, my Zoom had cut out because there was such a, like, silent, long pause. I was like, is he Good Lord. Answer? It was so awful. But, um, yeah, it... I've had that advice for him and that criticism of his game 
for the longest time. And in that very short period of time, those golden moments where we had all of them and we thought the one, two, three championship week, (laughs) like he was doing that. That was what we saw him do all he was doing. And I think he really benefited from having Aaron Gordon on the team. I think he really benefited from having JaVale McGee on the team for this last run too. And I do think that he, when he says he, there's more to give, I really believe him. I, be, I do believe that. I just am so frustrated with some of the other things that happen. And not just me, Malone. And how long is that going to go for? How long is this back and forth battle? Like Malone keeps giving a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But we also saw him really be frustrated with Michael Porter, including like throwing things in his hands because he's pissed about some of the shots he's taken. Yeah, it's it's a that's going to be the interesting dynamic to really monitor as the season goes on and and kind of as this off season goes on. Like, I assume you bring back Porter. I I think everybody assumes that you probably like sign him to a max and everybody's happy and you get a big press conference and you're like, oh yes, we're so excited to have this guy back. And and maybe maybe that's true, and maybe they continue to have that and and everything kind of goes according to plan. Uh, but it, it would be a really big curveball if that's not what happened. And, and But there is a distinct possibility that that is true. Um, real quick, Will Barton has a player option this year. Uh, he's been with the Nuggets for over six years. He's just been a very integral piece to what they've done. Uh, had been hit with injury issues for each of the last three seasons. Uh, do you think they – do you have any idea of what he might try to do with that? Like is, is, he, a, is he a guy that's going to – go see what his options are or is he just wanting to be back for Denver? I definitely think he checks out the market. I think he talks with teams. He's interested in starting, right? And Michael Malone started Facundo Composite over him this year. Like I know yeah. like there Will wants to start and more than any guy we've had this conversation and this question like I was saying to Harrison the other day. I cannot believe Somebody asked him if he wants to start after he came back for one game. He was back for game three on a minutes restriction. And the question was post game. So have you talked to Malone about starting? Like that's the only conversation we have with him. It's important to him. So I know he wants to start somewhere. Um, Reported earlier this week, Ryan on the chicken nuggets podcast hosted by two women. Don't know if you've heard of it. You signed off on it. (laughs) Um, Riley actually reported on the pod that Will Barton is high on the New York Knicks list of interest. They're very interested in him. They've been hunting him in talks with him um, in some sort of capacity interested and have, have made that known, I guess. And so um, I think we'll, we'll look into that. I think he cares about, I mean, more than anything, protect the family. That's his slogan. That's what he like his uh, what he abides by in life. The most important thing to him, and that he does have kids, and he has um, other people that he from back in Baltimore that he takes care of and he provides for. And I think that's his biggest priority. And I often think fans forget about that, right? Because right, had a guy for leaving a t- city you like, but he's getting offered more money somewhere else, and it is his job and there are people who rely on that money for will. And I think it's a lot more real for will than it is for some other players. Um, 
in the league, but I think he'll explore his options. I think he'll be interested in going somewhere else. And I think he was a little offended when he, when fans booed him, he's gotten a little, a lot of hate on the timeline (laughs) over the last three years. And I know he's been riddled with injury and stuff, but there are a lot of times when he comes in a game and he wants a lot of touches. And I don't know that he can get the touches he wants on this roster. So, and, and I think it might be mutual for Denver, right? They love Will. They want what's best for Will. And maybe that's not Denver anymore. The five-minute answer that he gave to Matt uh, after the post game, just kind of talking about his journey over the last few years, it, it was really touching. It was pretty heartbreaking just to, to hear him walk back through that story and, and how difficult it was at various points. Uh, so I, I fully, like, I mean, he doesn't need my permission to do this, but, like, I fully support him trying to get the bag and doing what's best for him and what makes him happiest uh, because I think that New York, he would be pretty happy. He would, he would be really happy with that environment, being able to get up some shots. Like, Julius Randle isn't going to create everything in, in New York anymore. Like, they're, they're going to need other folks. And Barton's a guy that, like, he, he would fit well there as a guy who can both shoot but also kind of create. So uh, that's a really interesting fit. It's a really interesting idea. And the Nuggets, like you said, it, it might actually be mutual because given what they need to do from Porter, like, they, they're going to need him to develop some ball handling. But the more that Michael Malone has other guys that are going to kind of, like, be better – that Porter in those situations, the less he's going to think about actually developing Porter in those situations rather than winning basketball games. So I, I think it might not be a bad idea that if you're going to start Monte Morris, maybe the best thing for you is to like, if you're going to start Porter, Gordon and Jokic, maybe the best thing is to get a defensive minded too, who can cover for those guys a little bit, uh, but also doesn't need the ball in their hands as much. And Porter can start doing a little bit more creation for himself and for others, that's going to be needed. Yeah, exactly. And I know that's always the, like, kind of, you always think of it that way, that Malone is thinking of other guys he can put in there. He relies on other guys. He likes guys who don't make the mistakes on defense that Porter makes. And um, and I, I never really thought of it that way, the way that you have. I just think that he, Porter is a challenge for Michael Malone. He is not the type of player he's used to coaching. But it's also a challenge in a good way because it's going to make him better. And there, Malone also has an offseason ahead of him. He got out coached in this Sun series. Like, and there have been series where I, I think like the Portland series, I, I truly believe that the reason they won this series this year was because they know that team so well. There's enough um, – there's enough history there and enough like digs back and forth between the two teams and enough animosity that, that they had the fight in them to do it, it, to get it, get through it. And I don't think there was much of a coaching battle in that round, but I thought Malone could, I mean, I have criticized him in the past too, for not making moves soon enough for sticking with what, with his bread and butter too long and relying on it too long and you know you you see how the toll it took on Nikola Jokic he was exhausted because we're playing him into you know deep into the regular season lots of minutes 
because Malone likes to stick to his bread and butter. We don't care if it's the fourth quarter and we're murdering them. We're going to stick to our bread and butter. I, I will say that's a good point that I want to bring up here. The Nuggets need to find a better solution for when Jokic is off the floor. Whatever the case may be, like they need to have a guy who they can go to and it's it's one guy. It's not just like a conglomerate of people like Paul Millsap kind of does it sometimes. JaVale McGee kind of does it sometimes. Like they need a player who can do that, in my opinion. And maybe that's just staggering Porter with it. Uh, maybe that's like coming up with a, a better system. Like you go smaller and you like you play you play Zeke Naji and Jamichael Green together and you play Michael Porter with them and you go like small, but also like like you still space the floor out really well and you shoot like you shoot like hell. And and that's your that's your goal with something like that. But like they've got to make it easier on Nikola Jokic, like you said. They've got to give him an opportunity to rest, and that'll it'll give Malone more of an opportunity to kind of like take his foot off the gas because he's had his foot on the gas all year, uh, every like ever since the bubble. Like he was told to kind of step back in the bubble, and and like to to get off those guys and and to kind of let let go a little bit, and he did, and. They responded really well, but also because they had Jamal Murray. So we're going to have a lot of things to navigate. Like I, I am, I'm interested to seeing how they kind of navigate this off season. It's going to be a little weird. We might see some changes. We might see no changes. We might just see them bring back the same team and say, Hey, we feel like we're good enough. We just missed Jamal. Maybe that's something that they do. I can't imagine that though. To be honest with you, I think when you're thinking about, you have Aaron Gordon just through next season. I feel like you have to make a real effort to make a run at at a championship. Expecting Jamal to come back healthy, probably, you know, I guess after the All-Star break at least or sometime around there. I don't know when the regular All-Star break is now because all my months are confused. (laughs) I think that's the right timeline. But, um, yeah, like I, I just don't think that that's good enough for this next season because of, the Aaron Gordon situation. I will say though, all the players need to take a flopping class because clearly that's an important part of the NBA now, Ryan. Everybody needs to learn to flop better. They need to exaggerate their their uh, fouls more because if they don't, they won't get calls in the postseason. Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, Devin Booker, those those tr- those three. Uh, they they might be some of the best floppers I've ever seen in my entire life. It is incredible to watch. Campaign. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, hey, you learn from the best, right? Yeah, he looked like he was on the ground, like he had gotten hit where it counted, and like I was like, oh, the ball must have hit him, you know, in the balls. Like that's exactly what I thought because he was down for so long. No, 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 it was just a little arm to the nose. Okay, flagrant two. We don't have to get into that. It just brushed up. It's just, it's the worst, but okay. Hey, you've been a gem. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on with me. Like this has been a great conversation. And I'm really glad to have it with you. Uh, let everybody know what you're doing and, and like, let, what's, what's Jenna getting up to over the off season now? Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to be following the rest of this NBA season, obviously. And um, I'll still be posting chicken nuggets podcast and episodes with, on the chicken nuggets grilled so you can expect more um episodes there you can find that spotify or apple podcasts or on denverstiffs.com um and of 
first uh actually kind of getting into tennis a lot more ryan i think i'm Ooh. gonna i'm gonna be doing some more tennis coverage and just getting excited for i i mean i said this on chicken nuggets the the thing that's most exciting to me with wrapping up this season is the fact that we're one step closer to having jamal back and i never realized how important he was to my enjoyment of the game of basket of the, the nuggets basketball you know and and it's it's a big part so i'm excited to be closer one step closer to a championship i'm excited to be one step closer to i i think really nuggets fans should be hopeful and 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 there's a lot to be hopeful about with this with this team i think going into next season there's still a lot of things that guys are going to work on and stuff but you have a whole roster full of players who are dedicated to this team who want to be here who are uh, dedicated to winning a championship and i think it's i mean yeah murray going down sucked and injuries happen all the time. So I, I guess I, I definitely thought and anticipated injuries happening to like everybody, but the nuggets, I guess. And then it really happened to the nuggets. And I was like, damn, I should have seen that coming. Cause I saw it coming for everybody else, but why didn't I think that could happen to us? So I'm just excited for that to be, for there to be like time for guys to rest and get back and get healthy. Time for us to get rest and get back healthy as well. Like this is going to be great for everybody in in basketball. So I'm I am stoked. I am hopeful. Uh, she is Jenna Garcia at Vita Viva Diva. Make sure to follow her. Check out all of her stuff. Uh, of course, I'm Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn. You know me from the Pickaxe Roll podcast, like because that's where you're listening now. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll have some new content over at DenverSniffs.com. Uh, make sure to read my most recent article. It's kind of a, an ode to the 2021 Denver Nuggets and where they go from here, uh, much like this podcast. So make sure to check that out. But for everybody else, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.